10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello and welcome to the Sunday Brunch. My name is Caleb DeMerchant. Today we are discussing sports in schools. Are they more valued than other subjects? Are they more valued than other extracurricular subjects? Why is that, if that is the case? We're going to be looking at that today. Sports in schools, are they more valued? Thank you for joining me. This is the Sunday Brunch Show. And we are on Teachers Talk Radio. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello and welcome everyone to the Sunday Brunch Show. I am your host, Caleb Demerchant. You may have joined me in the past, this may be your first time listening. If so, welcome. We are talking today about of course, sports in schools, are they more valued than other subjects? I have an extended conversation with one of my friends today. He He's a big sports fan, and he had a really big opinion on this topic, so he, he came in to have a discussion. I think we had a great discussion, and I hope that you enjoy that. That'll be an extended discussion. It's longer than our usual ones, but I hope you enjoy it, and it gives you a little bit of perspective on sports in schools and what he thought about it, what I think about it, and if they're more valued than other subjects. So... This is a topic I've wanted to discuss for a while. It's very important to me because I, if you do not know, was a head of drama. So I understand what it is to be a subject that is not highly valued, let's say, that doesn't get as much funding, that doesn't get as much support as other subjects. So I understand that feeling. I know exactly what that's like. We had quite a few responses on Twitter. I got some private messages. I won't say the people's names, but let's just say they have some amazing experiences when it comes to this topic. There's a variety of experiences when it comes to this topic as well. So my name's Caleb Demerchant again. You can find me on Twitter at KDM underscore Drama Wizard, or you can follow us at TT Radio 2020. That's TT Radio 2020 on Twitter. You can follow us there as well. That's the Teachers Talk Radio page. I hope that you enjoy the radio show today. We are, again, talking about sports in schools. Are they more highly valued? Also, we have a tradition here on the Sunday brunch. I ask everybody what kind of brunch they like. What's their favorite brunch meal? And I've said in the past, you know, I really enjoy your traditional bacon and eggs. I also enjoy eggs Benedict. That's something that I really, really enjoy. Eggs Benedict. You know, um, sometimes my stomach doesn't agree with it, but that's my favorite breakfast food. What's your favorite brunch food or breakfast food? If What are you eating while you're listening to the show? We'd like to know that as well. You can again tweet us at KDM underscore Drama Wizard on Twitter or you can find us at the TT radio page on Twitter as well. That's the Teachers Talk Radio Twitter page. It's great to hear from all of you today and we, we're talking about sports and schools. That's what we're having a discussion about. Are they more highly valued? So school sports hold a kind of a crowning place in our schools. Oh, someone said blueberry pancakes here on the Podbean app. You can also message us on there, obviously. So school, school sports, there's something that we crown. There's something that's really important to us as a, as a society, really, isn't it? It's a crowning part of our society when you think about it. We have the Olympics. We have so many different things in our society that 
value sports. We pay athletes lots of money, you know, to do sports. Uh, we also pay actors lots of money to be in films. And I think that we pay people lots of money who are the top 10%, let's say, of, of their field. We they, they get paid well no matter what, don't they? Whenever you think about anything, the number one person in that field, I bet they were very wealthy at one time. Even even something like bowls. I bet there's a bowler out there who makes lots of money through endorsements and sponsorships because they're the top they're the top bowls player in the world or in England. So when you look at it, everyone in their field, there there will be a top person and they'll get paid lots of money. But sports, I think, has a little bit higher proportion of people whom are very talented who get paid a little bit more money when you think about it because teams need so many athletes, obviously, to participate. And during the Olympics, you know, really big selling advertising device. And in general, almost everyone can relate to sports. That's that's kind of uh, one of the points we get to in our conversation today, me and Dalton. We talk about how sports are something that are valued in society because everyone kind of enjoys to watch a sport, don't they? Everyone kind of enjoys watching sports at home with their family. Um, some people don't. My mother, of course, grew up not liking sports too much. She didn't watch very much sports. She wasn't too interested in that, quite frankly. Someone said hello on the pod, Beanwrap. Hello to you. And again, we're talking about sports today. Are they more highly valued in society than other subjects, let's say? Extra, I say extracurriculars at some points, but other subjects such as drama, as, as painting. Oh, chess would be a good one. I would love to have taken a chess class in school. I would have highly enjoyed a chess class in school. Would you have enjoyed taking a chess class in school? That would have been a really interesting one, I think. And we again, we, we used to value chess in society, didn't we? In the in the fifties and in the sixties during the Soviet era, people would play chess games against the Soviet Union, and it was a very valued thing. So I think yes, of course, we should have chess as a subject that we can learn in school, and maybe it's not an ongoing subject. I talk a little bit in our discussion. Well, that's great that you play chess. Someone said again they play chess good, and and we're again we're talking about sports in school. Are they more highly valued than other subjects? So, getting back on with it, I talk about about extracurricular activities uh, we talk about exploratory subjects exploratory subjects are something we have in american model middle schools and in those american model middle schools they take a little bit of a subject if that makes sense so they might take chess for a three-week rotation they might take knitting for a three-week rotation and most of the time they get to choose so i took a class when i was a kid on star trek in science so we watch episodes of Star Trek and our teacher would talk to us about the science that was behind that episode. And, and I think that was kind of a neat one that I took. I took crocheting and knitting. I took uh, drama, obviously, was on our rotation. It would have been nice to have taken it all year on, but that was just how it worked in our exploratory rotation. When I was in middle school, middle school being from the age of 11 to 14, obviously, maybe 15 in some places. So that would be one way that we could teach subjects like chess in school. That would be a way that we could teach lots of little subjects that we don't necessarily have time for all the time. People always say that students don't learn about taxes in school. Well, they could do that as an exploratory rotation. They could do uh, crocheting as an exploratory rotation, like I said. They could do all kinds of things. And really, you get to take things that you would never expect that you would take. I took sewing. I never thought that I would you know, take sewing in school, but I took a little bit of, of sewing as well when I was in school and I took a lot of, uh, you know, home economics, how to manage a budget at your house. So these were things that we took, how to write a resume. One of the most useful classes I ever took in school on exploratory was how to write a resume. And again, we're here to talk today about are sports more highly valued than other subjects in school. What do you think? Are sports more highly valued than other subjects? What do you think about that? 
And again, you can message us on TT Radio on Twitter, or you can find us at my Twitter page, KDM underscore Drama Wizard, and you can get involved in the conversation either of those places. You can tell us what do you think are sports more highly valued than other subjects. Again, this is Teachers Talk Radio, the Sunday brunch show. We're talking about sports in schools. So why might it be that sports are traditionally more highly funded than other subjects? That might be because of how sports are valued in society. And I think that that's a really big part of it, isn't it? I think it also goes back to, and we talk a bit in this on the conversation that's going to be coming up again. We talk a bit about how some sports, they're very valued in that part of society. So in Canada, it might be hockey. In England, it might be, you know, football or rugby or whatever. It, it really matters whatever place you're looking at. That might affect how that individual thing is is kind of endorsed in the school, if that makes sense. So the society you come from can kind of choose what's endorsed in that society. And because society was kind of male-dominated at one time, sports were kind of one of the main things that was endorsed, obviously. So what do you think about sports in school? Do you think that they're important? Do you think that they're valued enough in schools in the United Kingdom and around the world? There's a big difference, obviously. Something else I wanted to discuss, and I'll go into a bit of detail now about, is when I was in school, we would have all kinds of extracurricular sports, if that makes sense. So I played lacrosse. I had friends who would play basketball, hockey, all kinds of different sports. There was pretty much every sport you could think of at my little school. And that shows how valued sports were because there was only about 3,000 people in my school. And everyone would play a sport pretty much or be involved in the sports in some way. So, for example, we would have a tournament in hockey. It was a two-day tournament. It was called the Valhalla Tournament. And everybody in the school would get four classes essentially off to go watch hockey for the whole day. We would, as a school, go over to our rink. We had a big hockey rink. And we would watch hockey pretty much all day. And if people wanted to, they could pretty much escape class all day. You didn't have to return to class. You could just go watch hockey all day. We had the same thing for basketball. You could come in. You could watch a basketball game, two basketball games. They would have men's and women's basketball or men's and women's hockey going on. So you could watch both of those and you get the whole day off to do that. Some people would volunteer and take money uh, from the people coming in. They would make food and sell the food. But and all those profits, they would go to the sports. And this is something else we discussed in the conversation later on in the episode is that because some subjects such as hockey and, and basketball were were more highly valued, they were way highly funded at my school. They would get their own tour bus that would be painted with the school logos on the side. They would have, you know, brand new equipment all provided to them. They would have really great accommodations paid for by the school, like hotels and things of that nature. Whereas if you played hockey, you would get everything paid for. But if you played soccer or, or some other subject that wasn't as valued in my school, then you wouldn't get anything paid for, not even a ride to the game. You had to get a ride, your own ride there. And, you know, we'd have 14, 15 games a year, maybe more. And some, if we had two a week, it might be 30 games a year. It could be even more than that. And to pay for that gas and that expense, it, it, it's quite big and expensive, obviously, for a parent. So you could see why it can affect a little bit the difference between the funding and how it's a little bit not fair. But you could argue also that those sports make a little bit more money because they're more popular and that people really enjoy those sports. So they they get more funding because that's what the town values. So we're going to talk a bit more about 
funding in, in terms of other subjects as well. So I talk a bit about how I ran a drama department on 1,000 quid a year. I could run the whole department, just 1,000 quid. That's it. That's all you could get is just 1,000 to run everything. And when you think about it, that's not a lot. However, I would end up having a little bit left at the end of the year because I had already built up a good surplus of things. Now, if you were a new drama department, you could you probably couldn't do that. If we wanted to take the students on a trip, we didn't have no funding to take them on a trip, right? We didn't have any funding at all to take them on trips. So that, that could really affect what the students could learn as well because they don't get as many trips to the theater as, say, other schools. And that actually can affect your mark in GCSE drama, at least, because you have to have seen a live production to talk about the section C, which is one of your biggest markers in drama. So not having a trip paid for by the school could actually affect how the students perform on that. And they changed the rule during COVID that you could watch plays, uh, recordings, and you could watch them anyways, but there was this rule on how old they could be. And, and actually drama recordings don't come out that often. So if you had an older recording, right, you couldn't show it in school to the students and they can't write their, their 40 marker on that. And that's a lot of marks when you think about it. So that's just an example of how a little bit more funding would have helped the students to be more successful in that subject. I know in art, somebody might want to use a medium. I'm talking physical art, you know, painting, sculpting, things of that nature. And they might want to use a medium medium that's quite expensive. Like maybe they, I don't know, they want to use some gold leaf or something on their sculpture or they, you know, want a more expensive color of paint that isn't as easy to obtain. Well, you're hindering the students' pro, uh, creativity then and their productivity in the end because they can't produce as good a piece because those pieces of artistic material are just too expensive. Maybe they want better brushes even to to paint better. Well, the school might not have that. You're using the same old brushes people have always used. And yeah, you can get by on those things, of course. But imagine if everyone had a little bit more funding. And that's going to be the crux of everything here today we, we i i labeled this question as a bit of a versus sports versus other subjects what should sports receive more funding than other subjects and i think in the end the answer is nobody receives enough funding that's what we're going to talk a bit about about the end no one receives enough funding really when it when it's all said and done if we put more funding in the schools and into sports or whatever everyone would be more successful so it's not really in the end about uh an us versus them attitude it's about all of us just receiving more funding and being able to do more for our students to help them be successful. You know, every subject, when you think about it, music, if music had better funding, they could produce better instruments. They could take students to shows, orchestras, which then creates more jobs. And when you think about it, having more money in, in extracurricular subjects or whatever you want to say, exploratory subjects or whatever you may call them, where you come from, it's better for the economy because you're employing more people. So you can make an economic argument for it as well. So I'm going to now play the news and then we're going to listen to the extended conversation I was telling you about where we have a big conversation about all these topics as well as Iceland where my uh, my colleague he talks a bit about the Icelandic system and it's a really interesting system that could work I think all over the world including here in the UK so we're going to play the news and then we're going to listen to that conversation again this is teacher talk radio the Sunday brunch show I'm your host Caleb Demerchant you can find me at Twitter at KDM underscore drama wizard. You can also find us at TT radio on Twitter. You can find us in all those different mediums. If you know where to find us, you know, and now if you don't know, you do know now, if that makes any sense at all. My name is Caleb Demerch. Again, we're talking about sports in schools. Are they more funded than other subjects? Are they more highly valued? What do you think? Get involved in the conversation. 
This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N.co.uk. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb Digital Portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. report on the Politics Home website explores the issue of the UK granting refuge to staff and students at British international schools in Ukraine. In a letter to Boris Johnson, Colin Bell, CEO of the Council of British International Schools, urged the Prime Minister to provide a safe haven to 700 children and numerous Ukrainian staff at schools in the war-torn country. Under the current scheme, only Ukrainians with relatives in the UK are entitled to seek refuge while those with no family links must be sponsored by a person, business, charity or organisation. The British International School has three campuses in capital Kyiv and the city Dimpiro, both under siege from Russian military. In the letter, Bell says they have significant concern for the 700 children enrolled in the school, and he requests reassurance that no barrier will be put in their way to enter the UK. A government spokesperson responded to Politics Home by reiterating the rules of schemes currently in place. In Scotland, the TES magazine reports that Scotland's largest teaching union has opened a consultative strike ballot over Dundee City Council's proposals to move to a faculty structure in its secondary schools. 
Faculties have long been established in many parts of Scotland and involve more than one subject being grouped together under the leadership of a faculty head. The EIS Teaching Union is urging all of its members in Dundee Secondary Schools to support strike action. Critics of the faculty approach argue that it is driven by cost-cutting rather than improving standards. The EIS says the plan for Dundee will cost money and remove valuable experience and leadership. Stuart Hunter of Dundee City Council said, The change is designed to improve the quality of learning and teaching in our secondary schools and is only one of a range of measures to improve the situation as we work to reduce the attainment gap. In an article in the Daily Nigerian, Dr Peter Ogodoro, 2021 Facebook Community Accelerator Award winner, says functional education delivered by highly motivated teachers should be considered Africa's route out of poverty. Mr Ogodoro made the comments whilst addressing Kenyan teachers in Nairobi. He said that Facebook was supporting a Nigerian teachers community of over 300,000 members to promote learner-centred teaching. He said Facebook was assisting teachers in acquiring cutting-edge skills in teaching and school promotion to help improve teacher welfare and promote economic well-being. Speaking about teachers' conditions of service, he encouraged public and private school owners to pay teachers well and invest enormously in their development. Mr Ogodoro said he founded the Nigerian Teachers Facebook community in 2016 as a platform for teachers to share free resources for quality teaching and networking. Mr Ogodoro is an alumnus of the University of Reading, where he earned a PhD in education. The National Association of Head Teachers Union reports on its website that leaders representing schools across Wales were joined by their Education Minister Jeremy Miles as they debated key issues for schools in Wales at NAHT Cymru's annual policy conference. Delegates will debate and agree key policy objectives on curriculum and assessment, accountability, well-being, funding, as well as a range of other issues. Karina Hansen, president of NAHT Cymru, thanked him for joining to hear the concerns of school leaders in Wales. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, today I'm responding to a tweet from Michelle Stevens at M underscore Stevens Zero, pointing out to at Team English One that a lot of people don't know about the snipping tool, and she was compiling a list of shortcuts. The thread sparked a lot of fantastic responses and inspired today's two minute tech. Today I present Getting Snippy With It. In Windows, a simple shortcut combo of Windows plus Shift plus S opens the snipping tool. The snipping tool is like an advanced version of print screen. After the combo key press, a small menu appears giving you five options. Rectangle select, which is draw a box around what you want, freeform select which is draw a shape around what you want, window select which is pick the window you want to capture, screen select which captures the full screen or replication of the print screen button. Some may say there's no point to this but stay tuned, there is. Finally there's a cross to close and pressing escape can do the same thing. If you have an interactive board you can pin snip and sketch to your taskbar, right click the icon and select pin to taskbar. Now you can press it to make screen grabs and not have to go over to the keyboard. Snip and sketch also gives you the ability to annotate on a screenshot. To make this even more powerful Did you know pressing Windows and V shows your last 25 captures to your clipboard? The first time you use this you'll need to switch on the feature by pressing Windows and V and agreeing to switch it on. Now you can take several screen captures and then paste them into the app you're presenting with. This can be very time efficient. For this week's visual version of the episode I've made a series of clips and given some real life examples of using the snipping tool so don't forget to check out TT Radio 2020 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. 
your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone and welcome today to our topic. We are talking about are sports more highly valued as an extracurricular activity over say other extracurricular activities such as drama or art or dance and we brought back by popular demand Dalton and we're going to have a conversation with Dalton. Last time Dalton was on the show people really did like him and uh, really agreed with a lot that he had to say so I thought it'd be great to bring him back and Dalton's a big sports fan so this will be a great topic for him to discuss and yeah so we're discussing again are sports more highly valued than other extracurricular activities? If you want to get involved in the conversation, remember to tweet at me at KDM underscore Drama Wizard or at the Teachers Talk Radio Twitter page. That's TT Radio 2022 on Twitter. Those are the handles. And here's Dalton. So, Dalton, we're here to talk about sports and are they more highly valued than other extracurriculars? And I just wanted to begin with a really easy question. And I think it's a good question for you. What's your background in sports? What, what, what do you like about sports? So the thing with me in sports is kind of a weird one. I'm naturally a bit more of a heavy set type of man. So I don't play much sports, but I watch tons of them. Anything from football to rugby, then on to obviously Irish sports like hurling, Gaelic football. And even uh, Drew Caleb, I started watching hockey and American football. Just put any sport in front of me, I will watch it and commentate as if I'm there. Yeah, you, you, Dalton's a huge sports fan. We won't say who his favorite sports team is because it's such a big part of his life that I think it would allow people to guess who he is and he wants to remain a bit <laughs> mysterious on here. So we're talking about sports. And uh, did you any did you play any sports growing up, Dalton? Um, played hurling, gave football just as a kid growing up. I got a black belt in taekwondo when I was 18. Carried that on a bit in uni. And then ever since we started teaching, it's been like, lazy not getting much in the way of sports and it's starting to show at this stage and what did you think about taekwondo being in the olympics what did you think of that it's first it, time right um it was in it yeah since the olympics around 1988 when they were in seoul oh they had them then too yeah, yeah i didn't know seoul. that yeah, that's start, interesting starting in seoul but um no i just used it more because my mates were doing it and yeah i just stuck out with for about 10 years and got to where i was just when i was in uni getting my degrees etc didn't have the time, and, yeah, I, and, I mo- and I moved away as well, so I lost my coach who got me where I am, so it's just a bit annoying, but what can you do? Yeah, and it was a big part of your life, though, obviously, the taekwondo, mm-hmm. and, and you like football. You watch a lot of football and stuff like that, and rugby, and all kinds of different things, So, and obviously being Irish, it's a big part of your culture, sports. Mm, massively, yeah. We're going to talk about that a bit later on, because I thought that'd be an interesting thing, but I wanted to talk to, you know, say a little bit about my background in sports, you know, because I played lacrosse. And I played at a very high level. I played at the university level yeah. for a couple of years. You were like one of those madmen who were in goal. Yeah, I played goal. That's right. Yeah, I man. played in the in the keeper position, and and that's a little bit different in lacrosse. It's quite. It can be quite dangerous to play uh, lacrosse keeper because the ball's really heavy. It's about like a pound and a half heavy. No, no joke. And I broke my kneecap. I literally split my kneecap when I was Damn. about oh, I think I was eighteen, nineteen. I was twenty. I was twenty-two. I remember it was about 20, I was 22. It was one of the last injuries I had before I stopped playing. I know the next year, I just didn't want to play anymore. I was just like, you know, I don't I don't want to do this yeah, anymore. Just being, anytime you get a bad injury like that, you always just look back and be like, is this worth it type of a thing. Yeah, but sports were a huge part mm-hmm. of my life. Like, growing up in Canada, sports are huge. So our biggest sport is obviously hockey. Mm-hmm. Hockey is like life in Canada, right? Yeah. Because since the 70s, when Canada beat Russia, 
uh, in the hockey. It's been like the one thing Canadians were great yeah, at internationally, you know? Like the one thing you always say to me is like every little town from about 1,000, 2,000 people up has a, has their own hockey rink. That just feels mad for something to be so, um, what you call it? Equip- Entrenched. It, it, no, equipment reliant to be built so frequently all around the place because it must take a yeah, huge yeah. amount of money and effort to get those things off the ground. It does, yeah. Some towns in Canada, uh, not to go too far off topic, but I mean, this is a part of the topic. We're talking about, against sports and are they an important part of schools and mm. do they get more funding than other programs? And I, and in my town, yeah, it was a huge thing. They built a $4 million f- uh, hockey rink, you know? It was a huge hockey rink. cost them $4 million to build. And a lot of time and a lot of money went into that hockey rink and a lot of fundings, you know, schools had to work really, really hard to keep the funding up. Mm. So, yeah, again, we're talking about sports and are they an important part of schools? What about in, in Ireland? What, what sports are your guys' biggest sports? Um, so where I'm from would be hurling Gaelic football. Uh, the year is quite a successful team. But um, obviously you have a, let's say we're talking about a primary school. They would start them hurling about the age of five or six. Well, what is hurling for people so, who might not know? Because so this show's played uh, all, a lot of places. What is hurling? So it's a mixture of, say, hockey and rugby all together. It's 15 on 15, all amateur players, even though they play in one of the largest. So there's, fi- there's 30 players on the pitch all yeah, together. Wow, that's player. a lot. Yeah, so uh, you're playing on like a football pitch and a half, give or take. I didn't know there uh, was U- that many people. Yeah, U- wow. UK football, obviously. But yeah, uh, all the guys who play it are amateur, so someone could be playing in one of the biggest stadiums in Europe on a Sunday, and then they have to go in to be an electrician the next day after getting beaten from pillar to post while you're playing. Yeah, and I've heard a lot of people get jobs sometimes as teachers in communities because they're really good hurlers, and they get it. They might get positioned because of that um, at a school or something. Man, it's like the nepotism is strong. But I remember we talked about that yes. last time. But um, when when you're looking at schools. It's very often that it's an embedment of like local culture where. Well, I'm not gonna lie. If I had a teacher who was a professional hurler player, and he was my gym teacher, that makes sense to me. Yeah, it does. To be honest, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, now, is he is he good at maths and teaching maths? That might be a different issue, right? Because mm. so as a, as the sports teacher, sure, or the, you know whatever you want to say, the PE teacher, the, mm. I can see that back home. We call them gym teachers. That's that. So you might hear me say gym teacher. Uh, and I don't. I know that might not be acceptable to some PE teachers in the UK. And I mean no offense. It's just what we say, uh, gym teacher. But our our gym teachers, if you want to say, they they work as maths teachers a lot and science teachers because obviously you have to have a lot of science to become a PE teacher in Canada. So yeah, that's just a bit about that. But uh, what else about hurling? Can you tell me? Um, or about Gaelic football. What's the difference to Gaelic football to reg- as opposed to regular football? So, um, again, 15 on 15. Uh, but you're only allowed to run the ball for maybe three, four steps in the hand before you have to let it either hit off the ground and recover it or bounce it back up off your foot. So it's you don't see like big Ronaldo or Sterling-style dribbles up the pitch. They're mu- it's much more sort of tactical with how you run, how you take a man on. But very similar rules to hurling in terms of con- uh, contact. And what about hurling? You use a stick, don't you? What's that yeah, called? Yeah, it's called a hurley. So it's hurley, um, yes. about a yard of ash wood uh, shaped a certain way. They're qu- uh, they w- they'd be quite heavy, 
but once the momentum starts going with them, yeah, yes, yeah, uh, they absolutely fly like. And the balls are the how the balls are quite hard and heavy. Oh as yeah, well. yeah, they're like a baseball. Yeah, very actually very similar to a cricket, cricket ball, ball. Yeah, just yeah. with the stitching on the outside, so you don't so you don't have that nice. It's like, like a baseball. Baseball has theirs on the outside as well. Yeah, so I, I've shown them to you before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah the, that's where the leather is actually same, then it's flipped inside out, so that bit's on the outside for. Uh, to be like pitched or whatever like to be covered over to make it even more secure I always thought it would be a good sport in America and and you can score is it a point and a goal yeah so point would be like above the bar you and uh, you'd see players easily hitting 70 yard shots off a off a hurling slitter so it's very much um you these things pick up so much momentum really yeah so they're much easier to get the points but then the goal is under the bar that's three points oh and they have a goalkeeper as well yeah 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 again it must be a position that doesn't feel good when you get whacked um, it must hurt oh man there's a story I could tell you but I don't think it's very <laughs> appropriate for this podcast <laughs> but that can get you to guess pretty quickly what must have happened oh, so God, yeah. what what's PE like in Ireland so in Canada for example because our national sport is hockey and lacrosse those are our two national sports believe it or not the actual national sport of Canada is lacrosse hockey is actually just our national winter sport yeah. it's not our national sport our national sport is indeed is indeed lacrosse okay. because okay. hockey was invented over here obviously in the yeah, UK yeah. Uh, they played it on the ground and they just yeah. added ice and added a few rules but it's the same game essentially yeah it was called bandy I think or something like that it's still called hockey here though isn't it like the game yeah. they play on the ground that's the same sport yeah 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 they even have face off and everything it's yeah, very but, similar yeah but the thing bandy was like it was like a Scottish version of oh, it oh was it okay yeah so that was because obviously Scotland's much colder in the UK yeah, it yeah. froze the, the water froze over more so people started playing on sort of icy fields and lakes as well I think that just emigrated naturally over to Canada yeah I mean sports are a huge part of culture you can't really talk about sport without talking about the culture right it's like well, that's, that's the crux of one of my arguments actually here yeah. today because let's take for example you're from a very um, <laughs> a very working class area okay yes, yes, so yes. say Liverpool is a perfect example of it, around mm-hmm. where the stadiums are is very much working class areas so you grow up with what is in your local area so if your town say uh, let's take let's say your town is some hockey magnet in the middle of sure. Ontario yeah, yeah, or in New Brunswick, where I'm from. Yeah, I I went to school with a guy who won the Stanley Cup. Oh yeah, but yeah. like that Which was is a big honor. Back oh, home. massive! I can imagine. Yeah, it's huge, like. But that massive. sort of idea of we're a sports town. We have we have a good sports team. Sort yeah. of encourages more people to go. Yeah, to I wanted to talk a bit path. about this as well today, because mm. in sports back home, it's very different than here. Okay, so if you play sports, where when I was growing up and I went to school, we I had um, a letter jacket. You know, I had a yeah, jacket yeah, yeah. with a letter on it. Had our school mm. letters on it. And I played varsity, right? So you can start off, when you start high school, you play junior varsity, and then you play varsity. We literally used to get two days off for basketball and two days off for hockey every winter to host a tournament at our school. And everyone helped out with the tournament. Everyone helped. And everyone got the day off to watch sports all day, to watch basketball and hockey all day. And that's interesting because in my... You know, so very different. Yeah, but like you are saying... We have homecoming as well, which is a big dance and party that everyone has in the school. Yeah, but the thing about like sports in Ireland is that, say with my hometown, it's not... It historically wasn't very strong uh, with get with any of the Gaelic games, mm-hmm. so sports weren't as big of a thing. Now we lived on the coastline, so we had much more people getting involved in surfing. I know one guy who uh, did longboarding um, worldwide. I think he did a season, um, like a one season tour type of a thing. So we had a lot in terms of that, and I think because little coastal town, we have sort of like a more relaxed way of being. So it's sure. like. 
a lot more people get involved in arts and painting and all that. Yeah, this the, is something I wanted to ask you about. So in, in Ireland, what, what does it look like to go to gym class and, and arts class and all your ro- what we call maybe rotation subjects back home or, okay. or exploratory subjects? Mm. What does it look like? So how much art time do you get? Uh, so every school works differently with how they choose subjects. I've worked yes. in Irish schools where it's like you get a year to try out a subject and see if you like or do a rotation, like say French, German, Spanish, that type mm-hmm. of rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also some schools which will only give them maybe six to eight weeks or your first term to make that decision about what subjects you want to do for the three years. Now, the curriculum is built in such a way that PE is mandatory okay okay yeah so it is back home as well in canada yeah, yeah. you must take pe basically every day yeah, yeah. we basically did pe every day every day up. man we yeah, are every day um cause... in the morning as soon as we start school they would try to get you done in the morning as quickly as possible like you no one had it after lunchtime uh it was all, all the classes but we have a very small school right mm. but still like everyone takes it every day yeah no for every us day. um because i um i stopped doing pe about age 16 or so oh no yeah you got yeah you you stop at 16 in canada this is true as well yeah but a lot of people will take outdoor pursuits like outdoor education and leadership which are two pe subjects um and everyone wants to take those Mm -hmm. subjects you have to compete to take those subjects in fact actually so um so for my first three years up to what's the equivalent to junior search or G, uh, the equivalent of English GCSE, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would have a... Sorry about that, it, uh, everyone. We had a bit of a technical difficulty. Dalton, you were telling us about uh, the how it works in Ireland. Yeah. How does the system work? Continue on, please. So uh, I worked up uh, till the age of 16 or on P at the equivalent of English GCSE. Yeah. But first year was very much, we have sort of a rotation one uh, for three months you do outdoor pursuits similar to what you did like yes. orienteering map reading that type of thing oh really and then you have that's just the way my school was we had one PE teacher who was big into that thing so that was his curriculum interesting but, um, that is neat oh yeah and then we had a three month uh, the second three months was um, gymnastics so that would be just like floor gymnastics it wasn't like um, swinging off bars or anything and then, and then the other rotation was swimming in the local leisure centre and that was all provided for, uh, by oh, the Oh, so school. you had a place to swim too? Uh, yeah, just a local leisure centre. Yeah, we didn't have a place to swim, but what we did have, because we had the hockey rink, and it was really expensive, like I was saying mm. before, we all used the hockey rink. Everyone skated. So I skated from the time I was five in school. Yeah. But every Canadian learns how to skate pretty young, I would say. But at my school, everyone learned how to skate in school. Yeah. The only thing bad about it is they didn't provide you with skates. You had to have your own skates. So everyone had to go and buy skates as a part of their school equipment. And, and that's what, expensive. $150, yeah, they're really expensive, seriously. Yeah, if yeah. you want a nice pair, they're really expensive. You yeah. can get cheap pairs, but they're not going to work as good. But right? you have the same argument over here with schools because uh, the kit we would have would literally just be go down to Primark and get yourself a um Do you think it's an expensive char- sub- subject, PE? It can be very much so, I think, mm-hmm. because... Ireland, it was bring whatever trainers you have at home, bring, bring a pair of joggers or shorts and bring a T-shirt and you're doing PE. Whereas I know in my own school, they have monogrammed uh, PE kids. So you'd have a long sleeve and a polo. You'd have a pair of shorts, pair of socks. And that all had the school branding on it. And then you think as well over here, they're much more into games. So like say in Ireland, when uh, after that first year of PE, yeah. 
we would just be in the basketball, uh, the indoor basketball court in our school, either playing football or basketball. Okay. It was there just P old school bad PE teaching where it was literally put the ball in front of a load of uh, teenage boys, let them play for half an hour, forty minutes, and then get them back in, get them play ready football for... or wherever you want. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we never had free play in PE growing up. They had a, a curriculum like yeah, here. Yeah. Well, I I think it's a sign more of the Irish idea of PE because let's say it should be about play. No, uh, I'm saying it's actually the opposite. It's that the teacher isn't getting involved and actually showing them good practice. Okay. So Irish P is very much the case of... Oh, Do they the, teach you the game beforehand? Like what? No, it's just like, no, they're not showing you any skills. They're not showing you any like tactics or whatever. Okay, it's okay. just ball, go, and then he'll go sit in his office or okay, whatever. yeah. So it's very much like the teacher is clocked out. So I think the teacher isn't engaged. You have it every day. Uh, no, it would be, a du- I said earlier, a, a double every Sorry, week. Sorry, I missed that. Double oh. every week. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Only once a week. Only once a week, yeah. Wow, one double period once a week. Hmm, no. Mm. How much do they have at your school here? Uh, my own school, I think it's two doubles a week. Yeah, I think it's the same. My own school, I think yeah. it's the same with the school I taught. Yeah, but obviously yeah. the Irish curriculum is much different. We take um, nine, to, nine to about 11 or 12 subjects at GCSE, whereas I know over here... Really? They like take se- that many? Yeah, I do. So for my own GCSE, I do uh, English, Irish, Maths, Science, Business Studies, Art, uh, DT, History, Geography... Did I say science already? I think so, but yeah, yeah, yeah. still. And uh, civics, that was the one you I was You did a missing. lot, though, yeah. <laughs> Ori as well, so that's 11 I did. Yeah, see, in Canada, you have to take certain subjects. Everyone has to take English and maths every day, pretty much. And then you choose a stream. So you either go in the university stream, or you go into, uh, you know, practical, I'm going to be a builder, or whatever you have you. Yeah, you pick your yeah. trade early time. Community right? college stream, it's called back home. And then one or the other, you either go to a university or community college at the end, that's how most people do things. You don't have to do it that way. Mm-hmm. At the end, when you're done school, once you get your diploma, it's up to you. But yeah, people will take like, I took power train and chassis, mm-hmm. which is a car mechanics course. Mm-hmm. Really handy course. I used yeah. to, I've used it a lot. I took woodwork. Yeah. I took uh, uh, IT. I took, but I take subjects, you know. I took yeah, lots yeah. of subject, science subjects. Yeah, because I know in Canada you get much more choice, whereas over you here. You do get a lot, yeah. Whereas over here, it's much more here's an assigned <coughs> curriculum. Like, I have a colleague who did uh, three years as a student in Canada. Okay. And he chose stuff like geology, anthropology. Yeah, like I had re- geology. Like, really out there. Physical subjects. geography, it was called. Yeah, but you wouldn't have that sort of, like, abstract thing over here. No, it's very no, much no, you like, wouldn't. Yeah, I know. That's a one. All of our subjects, too, are, are credit hours. So just like at university back home, mm. in high school, you have to choose your credit hours. And I had to have 60 credit hours in art subjects to go to my university because it was an art school, right? So I had to have 60 credit hours in that. Mm. So I had music. I had uh, native history. Okay. I had world history, okay. uh, European history. Actually, this, this actually brings up a kind post, of an interesting... Pre and post World War Two. Brings up an interesting question. So you're saying that you know you knew you wanted to go to this university. I didn't know that. No, uh, I took those subjects because I was interested in it. Now, how oh, the system okay. should work is by the end, time you're done... Whatever you measure out to having the most of, well, you measured out that way because that's what you're interested in. And therefore, that's what you should go to university for. Okay. Ideally, people will plan it, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But no, for but... me, for me, I did not plan it. I just like okay, those subjects. Okay. I like the teachers, but so I took think... the classes. Okay, so but do you think doing that sort of more creative curriculum Although got I you d- more into the drama world? It's a good. It's a good question, and I also, I also, um, this is a good point as well. When I was in school. You you would choose your classes, right? Mm-hmm. You would choose them, but they didn't have to accept you into those classes. And also, the teachers could say no. And also, I, for example, 
so when when I was choosing my classes, it's hard to explain, I guess, because mm-hmm. it's so different than here. No, no, I, you I, have to choose 120 altogether, basically, yeah, yeah. from year from year nine yeah. until year 11 or 12. That's how it was yeah, in yeah. my in my school. Yeah. And the last year of school should be doing nothing more than thinking about what you're going to go into and trying to tailor your courses to get more in that okay. subject. So you have to pass at a certain level. Now, I wanted to take university-level subject, and my teacher told me no. My teacher said you could not take it. Because my dyslexia and my dysgraphia, they yeah, said, you'll yeah. be too much work for the teacher, so we're not going to let you take it. Oh, unless man. you can read Lord of the Flies out loud. I talked about this the last radio show. So unless I could read it, I wasn't allowed to take it. But my mom kind of complained, and I was allowed to take it in the end. She said, if he ever fails, then he does he won't retake the class, basically. Yeah. And I never failed a single subject. That's And they thought no, I would. They thought I'd fail all my subjects. That's why they weren't going to let me take it. It's but it. the point is, is you choose, basically. Are you going to yeah. be a, a builder? A mechanic, well, then you take community college stream. If you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer, you're going to go to an art school like I did, you take the you take university stream. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and those are leveled. Level one yeah. being the highest, or AP is a little bit higher than that, advanced mm. placement. Or you can take uh, level three, and level three is like lowest of the lowest level. And Yeah, just sort of getting yeah. by, whatever. It's like, re- it's remedial, it's called. Mm. Yeah, remedial mm. maths and remedial English. You can't take less than a level two to go to university. So you oh, have okay. to take a level two or higher to go to university. Yeah, it's like, it's so like, I took AP English, for example. It's like over here with the college system, though, that um, level one, two, three. Yeah. Well, yeah. where level one is literally below GCSE and challenging. Oh, yeah. In in Canada, level one is really difficult. But AP is even more difficult. You can get university credit hours before you even start university in Canada by taking AP subjects. Right. So I knew lots of people who, uh, in Ontario you can take a le- – this is the thing about Canada. It's really crazy. People – so people might be listening to me going, well, that wasn't how it was when I was in Canadian school. Well, that is because the Canadian school system differs per province. So Canada, like where I'm from in Canada, New Brunswick, it's based a lot on the French school system and the Irish school system, interestingly enough, mm. Dalton. Your, your school system inspired ours because they went and studied your school system when they were developing the Canadian school okay. system. This is true. Well, the New Brunswick school system specifically. And inclusivity, I think, is a big part of Irish system, is it not? Yeah. It's a huge part of the New Brunswick system. Yeah. So it's New Brunswick has to be fully inclusive. And what that means is even if somebody um, might have a lot of trouble being in a class because of their own uh, barriers to learning, well, they they have the right to be in that class. They can't They can't be asked to leave. Even if someone's a big behavior issue, you can't remove them to another teacher's class even as a disciplinary tactic. Oh, yeah. They have to be able to stay in the class or they get the boot out the door of the school. That's the way it is in New Brunswick, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, a lot of Irish schools work like that as well because Irish um, school campuses are much more open. Um, when I was going to school, which was very common with a lot of people about my age at that point, you could literally disappear for... 40 minutes an hour during your lunch break you, you could go home if you wanted to you could go to the local shop well, could... I have actually a good question getting back to the subject of camp yeah. oh, sports yeah. uh, did and, and, and other subjects in school did you go to sports like did you watch your school in sports events growing I, up I, like I, went... I would go to my school versus another high school on a Friday night hockey basketball no, it wouldn't be... Saturday nights whatever and no. it would be huge 3,000 people at the state at the hockey rink watching it maybe more no, right, it, w- it wouldn't more. really work like that because there's such a big culture in Ireland about um, having links with your own community. So, like, say, hurling uh, under-16s between schools in the Mun- in the Munster Cup or the Ulster Cup or whatever, mm. that would be the team goes out. So The, 20- the county team, you mean? No, the, um, like, say, 15 to 25 kids okay. who are on that team. 
they go out and the what other age team, group is that? Uh, so six, under 16s I under say. 16 midget yeah midget yeah. we call it back home um, but they would just go out during school hours so they might um, leave I don't know half 10 to be at a fixture for 1 o'clock and then they'll just be dropped back to school afterwards but there's, they're just sort of brought off as that group they don't get supporters they don't get this that or the other really there, there's, there's no like supporter seating or anything no seating oh man. man we have like bands that play at the hockey rink mm. uh, we'll have like halftime shows basically where like people will perform like, oh, oh, like here's, it's huge. Like yeah. here, here's Carla from down the road. Yeah, somebody might tell jokes or sing songs or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's like, a, we so have performers who come and perform. It nearly brings a they, tear. They sell food at the rinks and at the basketball games and stuff. Pop- popcorn, chips, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff, man. Like yeah, but poutine like, is huge at hockey games. Everyone gets a poutine, right? It's but huge. the thing, thing with Irish like um, school sports, it isn't that big. The, all the money from the—that's the other thing I want to bring up. All the money that gets made from this event, right? Yeah. It goes into the hockey team and the basketball team primarily. Yeah, like, yeah. So I played soccer, which was considered to be a lesser sport, right? So you didn't, we didn't get nothing. Be- we didn't even get a, a bus. Our parents had to drive us, but the hockey team had a bus that was painted the school colors with the school logos this, on this the side. Wh- this is what I'm talking about. Because yeah. like, school sports in Ireland, yes, there's pr- there's like prestige around them, but there's such a history of amateur sport in Ireland that... There's no sponsorship. Like, I remember I did a bit of Gaelic football. Oh, sponsorship's huge. We'll talk about that in a second. I, I, I did a bit of Gaelic football during uh, secondary school, and they had me in goals, obviously, because I was tall for my age. I was easy to get around the net. But, um, no. So you played keeper? Yeah. Oh, I never knew that. I only played, like, two games before. Because what happened was... You didn't play on a team growing up much? No, not really. Really? I, I did a little bit with, like, this primary it's school. It's huge back home school. to play on a team, man. Like, you would have played on a sports team back home because of the build of you. This yeah, yeah. is just the truth but of the thing, that. They'd but, have recruited you. <laughs> but there, there's more in there's less interest in school sports because there's more of an interest in community sports. Interesting. So, like, even uh, my own home pitch, there's no seating at it. There's just, like, literally a little raised wall around the edge where just people stand watching. Wow. And there might only be 150 people showing up. Such a difference, man. I'm telling you, the whole community shows up back home for hockey games. And everybody will know the kids playing hockey. Mm. And they'll put a big emphasis on them, right? They'll put a huge emphasis on those guys who play. But there's also the nature that the um, civilization is much more close together where I'm from. Whereas you said to me before about three-hour drive being normal for us. That's um, literally getting to the far side of the country. So I think it's just the locality of it all. With oh, Ireland. no, you drive for hours for sports. I used to drive, man, this is true. I used to drive four hours to play another team in, in, in soccer and in lacrosse both. I used to play on a on a soccer team. It was a AAA team, which is like, okay, so back home, there's le- sports levels are very important. So mm. I played um, what you call peewee when I was really little. I played peewee lacrosse and peewee soccer and stuff. And then I played, I, I played peewee baseball and all yeah, this yeah. stuff. And then as you get older, you move up to levels. So you can then play yeah, a yeah, yeah. junior and then something called midget. And then there's something called bantam. Okay, there's different levels yeah, yeah, to, yeah. The, to, to it. But if you're really good, if you're like a standout, you get to play varsity, right? And playing varsity means you get a jacket. It means you get like basically your equipment paid for, your travel paid for. Everything's mm. paid for for certain teams. Now, this is the thing, right? Like the hockey team, like I said, they had us bus yeah. with the logo and stuff painted on it. But soccer, we didn't get that. And lacrosse... We didn't get anything. Now, I played for a AAA team, which is outside of school. So yeah, yeah. beyond varsity, the next level up is AAA. 
and then beyond that is provincial, yeah. and then beyond that is, is collegiate. So I played all those levels, yeah, actually, in lacrosse yeah, and Ireland, in soccer, both. Ireland does something very similar. You play up the age group, so you start under fives, then six and seven, eights, all the way up. So obviously people are flagging off the older you get. So as you get- Oh, no one flags off back home. It's extremely competitive. I went to a soccer tryout one time. This is no mm. joke. 4,000 people tried out for this team. Man. 4,000 yeah. students, but then- all 16 years of age or older. But then you... But then this goes back to what I'm saying because Ireland sports are so community based that you're only allowed to recruit from your area. This, so like this say, is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's not so, like that back home at all. You can go three hours away. Yeah. I played for a team. I played for a team three hours from the house I lived in. But I suppose that's same in a French community, not even in an English community. That's same as like the UK though, like where you see like kids from Watford or Southampton being signed by exactly. The, the Northern it's clubs. exactly like it. Uh, like I had I had a kid last year. He got picked up by uh, a team in the Midlands. And I didn't see him for the whole year. He just kept emailing me papers. But now he's 16, completely independent, living with a football club, getting his education from there as well. Yeah, so sports are extremely important. Do you think there's any other school activities you would consider to be important growing up for you or growing up in your community? What were some other uh, activities that were as important? Uh, I was Rotation subjects. I, uh, I was obviously the bit of a outcast when it came to sports I did play them but not mm-hmm. very much but I had a lot of interest in IT growing up okay so during our lunch breaks we uh, the computer suite was open we, uh, our school was only about 350 400 kids so we only had one big computer suite that could host uh, 36 so oftentimes we would double up classes in there wow but um, it's not like over here where schools would have multiple computer labs that could be booked in and whatever it's just we got the computer room every day open at lunchtime so yeah we used to play starcraft in hours yeah we had uh, counter-strike set up across yeah. all of ours but like that's what sort of what got me interested because i saw like but it does get you interested in computers <coughs> and in networking doesn't it because you have to set up a network to play these games back exactly in the old days. so yeah um that got me very interested in like sort of how stuff worked and then sort of like i started to move away from sports once i got more into the it side of it and then that sort of it natural would you say that was a well-funded department at your school um i think as funded as well funded as sports oh yeah yeah it really? was okay definitely. it definitely wasn't at my school i'll be honest it uh, wasn't. my school um it just had one of those teachers who was a real maverick he like he was on the old um apple twos and all that okay like, lisa's and all that yeah he was on okay. like the proper first wave of home computers so he got a job in the school teaching economics and it and yeah he just really got the computer lab like really well set up what about uh, at schools you've worked at? How are how are other subjects funded? Like, would you say I, I was a drama teacher, obviously, and I'm just gonna come out and say it. for drama we were given basically a thousand quid to run a whole department. Okay, that's crazy that, money. Not great, to try right? And run on like yeah, but I don't blame the school for that. That was just what what it was given. You know yeah, what I mean? There was the, nothing they could do about it. Yeah, it's just the way the uh, it's just the, the way the cookie falls, crumbles. Yeah. And we know for a fact sports are better funded than that. And that's because it is an expensive subject yeah, to run. Yeah. It is. You need to buy equipment. Yeah, because I think you need to make sure it's safe for the children and everything mm. else. But it would have been nice for drama to had a bigger budget. Now you can. This is the thing about drama. You can do it on any budget. I believe. Yeah. If you wanted to do drama right now, just me and you in the clothes we're wearing, the things around us, we could perform drama. Okay, I believe Probably that. Probably could, yeah. Oh, we absolutely could. Yeah, they yeah. used to have something called closet dramas back in the old days Neat. that they performed inside of houses as like a party game. Yeah. So everybody would like breathe apart and like and basically you got to watch a movie together that you're, so it's like, you're in. So it's like a like a group improv type. Yeah, thing. absolutely. Nice. And it was a game people played back in early Victorian times. Early Earlier than that, even 
and they were well known. And a lot of them were written by women, actually. It was some of the first work, European works written by women were closet dramas. Interesting thing if anyone wants to look it up. So we know you can do drama on nothing. Okay, yeah. the idea of drama and the uh, mm. the actions it doesn't require anything. They're free skills. They're something that we yeah. can all do. But that doesn't mean I don't think that it should be underfunded. But you know, the thing about drama over here is people aren't going to go out of their way and see like uh, an independently thought sure. up thing in school theater. Like they'll go to local theater houses, drama clubs. You and might see say that. that though, but I visited but, schools recently, and one of them had five hundred people come over three nights. So. In this very small community, I won't say where it was or anything. Mm. I don't want to give any of that away. But yeah. th this very small community to have 500 people come for three nights to see your show, that's really good. And mm. it was because the people in the local community enjoy seeing these shows. And actually at our university, this is something else. I went to a really nice drama university. Mm -hmm. And people would come to see the shows. Like from all over, they would come to see the shows. And like they would fill every night of the of the production. And I'm talking, this is big seating, like 2,000 yeah, yeah. people probably. And they could fill it if they wanted to. Uh, I've, I've seen them do it every no, night for you, like five nights. No, you don't get much of that, I find. especially our, It's harder here. I, but, yeah, I, but what I was trying to yeah. say is that the reason drama needs so much more funding over here than it would in Canada, where you oh, are yeah, into yeah, more, yeah, yeah. more um, experimental stuff, is because... Everyone wants to see Annie. Everyone wants to see Matilda. We did do Annie when I was a kid. But you have yeah. to pay the licensing for it. Okay, for so I don't mind teachers pay the licensing. But you are right about yeah. this. Licensings are very expensive. Yeah, like, this is something I always tell people about that they don't know my students is that you got to pay about 3000 or more, basically, for the rights to the music and to the script. Yeah. So you can pay for just the music if you want, or you can pay for the script. And I don't blame them again because that's their art and that's yeah, how yeah. they make their money from mm. it and that's how they keep these productions going. But yeah. Yeah, but that really limits. Difficult. That, yeah, it really limits like any school because like they have to compete with what people are going to be naturally more interested in already. They're hardly going to pick up the new skill of oh now I like drama when I did like sport. They'll largely stick with that sort of let's call it path mm -hmm. the whole way through. So if they're a drama kid like they're in a stage school at the age of three or four. Then Some kids here are, they are unbelievably and enough. And that's what I'm I've saying. had students who were in video games acting and in TV shows acting, like crazy enough. Yeah, but you do. Yeah, you do get it. And that's what I'm saying. Like because they have that interest, because this is another big issue. You never see that in Canada, by you, the way. Yeah, not in millionaires. You see it very rarely <laughs> in Ireland. But like, whereas like some kids would just be like they were given a ball to go kick around with their mates and while yeah well any kid can play football exactly, right I, yeah. I, I, get, I get what you're saying any kid can play football mm. and that and I do think that sports are a very primordial thing we do and a very yeah. important it gets, thing it, it, it gets adrenaline thing going do, yeah you know? I, I love sports I don't want anyone to think I don't love sports <laughs> I do love sports and I do love drama I love them all and I, I, I think though I wanted to also ask you about something Dalton you talked to me once about it and it, it gave me a good interest in it I never ever even thought about it until you mentioned it to me and it's Sports in Iceland and after school activities oh, in Iceland. Yeah, yeah. You were the first person to tell me about this. Can you I, tell everybody a bit about that? I find it the most interesting case study of um, reducing youth lack of interest, really, because we kids say are so apathetic. In Iceland in the 1980s and early 1990s, there was quite a high rate of alcohol use and abuse, drug use yeah. and abuse, and smoking under the age of. 16 so not a lot of youth ambition community so the Icelandic government basically said each family gets a grant I'm not sure on the monetary amount yeah it's not, you don't have head. to be specific about yeah, it no but just guessing obviously yeah every family essentially gets a token that your kid gets to do an activity it can yeah be, if they want to play ice hockey here's the equipment here's a team play exactly yeah, yeah. like 
stuff like that, music, football, even art, they had to do something or else the parents are fined for not using the government's money. Yes. So within, I would, I think it's something like within four years of this program getting set up, all the problems I mentioned earlier are completely... Just dissolved. Yeah, like they're, they're still there. Obviously, a society is never going to be perfect. Obviously. But the number had dropped significantly. But then we Kids had something to do. Kids exactly. always say, like, kids always say to me, I don't have anything to do yeah, here. Not- there's nothing to do in, in Luton. There's nothing to do here. There's nothing to do there. And that might be, like, maybe the Icelandic system might work well in the UK. I think mm-hmm. it actually would. You want I, my opinion? I, I think it would. Think so, yeah. I haven't done a study or can say that definitely. But to me, it, I feel it would work. Because if you look at the early 2000s uh, and into the 2010s, you have so much Icelandic influence coming in on the world. Like uh, their football team, for yeah, example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the Euros and, and bands such as Sigurios, Tear, a lot of Icelandic music has penetrated across. Like so, uh, some of those bands have toured with like the metal crowds around Europe. That's cool, yeah. And Sigurios, obviously, or Harry Prince. And they, then they all got together in one of these groups. They took exactly, their money, yeah. they bought instruments with it and, and started a band or whatever. Exactly, yeah. Interesting, like, yeah, that's really cool. Like obviously... Um, Did it have to be a... Do you know this? Did it have to be a program, like an actual program? Or could they say, like, I bought a guitar and a drum set for my kid and they Oh, got, yeah, yeah. They were like... It wasn't just like, here's a grant, now learn guitar in your room. You had to go to classes. You had to go to classes. Very yeah, yeah. cool. And I think that that's the important part, right? To give the parents the money and to make sure that they're in a class some, yeah. doing something. And that would run after schools. Mm, every yeah. every day, basically. Yeah, because the English, when you think about it, the English teaching day is quite short. You only have six Yeah, uh, to be honest, yeah. I, I mean, a lot of people will listen to go, no, it couldn't, it's, it could be shorter. <laughs> no, obviously it could, yeah. But yeah. I've always advocated for... If you do a period six every day, so you're yeah. working nine till four and then you get Friday off. Yeah, no, that's that sounds good to me. Yeah, I, be, I think that works. Yeah. Because then you can use that period six every Absolutely. day every day for your recreational like. Uh, but maybe during that day off, ki- kids could have like tournaments. They could have like little things that they can go to and things that they can do. And that way the parents aren't going, well, what are we going to do about childcare? Well, actually, they're, mm. it's like a day of clubs, basically. They could do exploratory all day. You know, exploratory in Canada is when you're in middle school, you have one subject a year in se- six, seven, and eight. And it's a rotation subject. And it can be literally on any, anything. I was talking about this on last radio show. So I did one class. Do you like this, Dalton? We took science but from Star Trek perspective. So we watched a Star Trek movie, and then our teacher teaches some of the science behind some of the things in that movie. Right? Man, that is... Really so, cool. Like, uh, Caleb, really cool. Caleb knows me quite well. My, I'm a bit of a potty mouth, I'll be honest with that, but I'm trying to hold in swearing so <laughs> much from this concept of you are giving... So what age is... What I, age was is your, I was uh, 11 years old. So you're giving an 11-year-old... But I had like um, 13, 12 and 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds in my class. Yeah. Because you take it with everybody. So anybody, basically anybody who was interested would take one class. I took one on crocheting. I took one on knitting, sewing. I took one on uh, like ironing and maintaining my clothes, uh, cleaning your house. WIMIS, Workplace Hazardous Material System, which is like... What does the skull and crossbones mean? What does the hand with the bones mean? And all this other stuff. So you learn basically what all the symbols meant so that you could do harder things. Like I did wood shop also. Uh, I did um, computer, IT. I did all kinds of classes. But that was that was exploratory. So I always thought like maybe like what you're saying, a Friday could be filled with like things like that. And it would be, give, yeah. give more time in the regular week for quote unquote, you know, core subjects or yeah. whatever. They could have more than... Or, you know, if they could go about it in a different way, it would it would alleviate time in the school day yeah. for more things, I think. I think so, yeah, because yeah. You're, you're not trying to fit in. 
pardon the teachers who are listening to this, of music, drama, art, media, where there's a lot more, say... You're not squeezing it in. They'd have more yeah, time. Yeah. That's what I'm you, saying. Instead of having one hour a week, you could actually maybe have two hours a, a week with them because you're only teaching it on a Friday, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that's obviously the way the colleges work over here, where it's very much come and go when needed, but... I think well, I just don't understand why the college system has to be so different from the regular system. I, yeah. This is something... I know back in the old days in England, they used to do things where you would go into streams like they do in Canada now. I mean, that's the, an old system, and they used to yeah. do it here, didn't they? Yeah, but yeah, they yeah. changed it a long time ago. But I don't always think that maybe that was the best decision. Sometimes I'm like, kids would benefit more. Like if I'm going to be, let's say I'm going to be a mechanic. I'm going to mm. be a mechanic. I know that. My dad owns an automotive shop. I'm going to do it. Yeah. So why can't I start from the age of 11 doing things focused towards becoming a mechanic? But you know then you I mean? have to look at it as well. When you don't I'm, want to put people in a corner. Exactly, I understand that yeah. As well. I do, I do. Because, like, I do. yeah, there's a great value in training. You can change your mind. Obviously, yeah, but yeah. let's say, so you go you go down the auto mechanics route, that's six, sure. year, six years of your school, okay? Then you realize at the end that, hang on, this is just really hurting my hands. Like, maybe True. I don't have the mobility or whatever. It's just like you've had an accident or something, and you're so close to the end of the course. You re- you very much pigeonhole someone. Like, if you ask me at the age of seven what, what I want to be when I grow up, I'm gonna, I was like, I'm going to be Thomas the Tank Engine, not, <laughs> yeah. not the actual... Well, you don't get to, you don't get to choose in Canada until you're uh, 15 years old, yeah, right? Like, so it's the last two years of school, yeah, basically but, 16 to 18. But then, yeah. but then if you're, you're saying... But then I'm sort of saying that you asked me at any point, I didn't know I wanted to be a teacher until I was maybe 17, 18 years oh, old. Oh, I didn't know I was going to be a teacher, Dalton, until I was 24 years old. So, like, I know all about it, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> I so, was 24 before I became a teacher. Yeah. I, I had worked in IT. I had worked in, like, all kinds of things before that, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just, it feels like if you pigeonhole someone too early True. into something, they'll never get out of it if I it doesn't go right. Like, how many people have you met going through teaching that, but uh, bot, uh, bottomed out after a couple of years. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, they just they tried. Five they... years mark. They call it the five year mark, right? So like mm. people, most people will leave the profession in the first five years. This is a statistic that they have in Canada, at least. I don't know if it applies. I'm sure it applies here too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and basically, if you're a five year or more teacher back home, you go into a certain kind of contract that everyone covets, right? And it's called the D contract. And once you get that, you're like, you have a job. You have tenure. You're, you have a job. You're permanent. You're yeah, a yeah. fixture now of the school. And you can only get more money and better position. Um, and you're, yeah, you're secure, right? But before that, she ain't secure. And it's a really, it can be a really difficult time. Mm. You know? Um, so I wanted to hear what you thought about the Icelandic system, definitely. And I think it could apply over here. Oh, massively. Yeah. You need to massively give the money into the councils, though. Because if you're going to make... Of course. Schools need to be better funded in general, uh, to- don't they? Totally. Because like, obviously with the way academy systems have gone over here money has really messed around whereas this is the thing i was thinking actually you you lead to me one of my other points is the academies to unique selling points for them can be that they're a d- drama academy or they're a sports academy but be. sports must be the most common one so by logic's sake by opening something different like an arts academy you would be different you'd be a unique selling point they, but they tried that though man in the 90s I know. and it didn't work out it just en- ends up with the school getting the problem we saw earlier of grants for oh you're a French school here's your French grant and then giving that over to say yeah. football whatever just the money wasn't used appropriately and then we're getting into the same problems earlier pigeonholing the child too early when so maybe it's if it was run through these after school programs yeah yeah basically you're you're a music person you mm-hmm. went to university for music we want you to become an instructor for music after school to music students yeah it could offer more they jobs they come in this well, yeah. many times oh it would create a, it'd be a massive creator of jobs 
imagine you could run a history club if you were a historian you've graduated don't know if you want to be a teacher yet you yeah. run an after-school history club kids get to come in and basically do archaeology you might get yeah, to yeah. dig little fake fossils and things of that nature yeah, and, right and sort of do plant studies yeah i yeah. can see that working of course yeah yeah because i obviously my subjects are history and geography so they are very much out in the real world i think growing up that would have really sold me sparked on. your interest exactly yeah, yeah definitely me too I would have loved to have done a history club growing up, but I was stuck with, well, wasn't stuck with, I say like I didn't love it. I love sports, but sports was my option back home. Yeah, yeah. We had drama and I did drama for a little bit. Mm. I did tech and, you know, I started off a little bit acting, but I knew I wanted to do tech right away. So I did do tech and drama and I did sports too. And like you, you remember we worked with a guy, uh, we, we knew a guy, we didn't work with him. He was a Canadian teacher as well. And he was also in American football mm. and he was an actor. So yeah. it's weird in Canada, you yeah, know, yeah. like there's no real stereotype there. Like people will yeah, be drama they're, people they're... and football people at the same oh, time. Oh, they're very you know? much, they're very much isn't there because the population. There is here too, I think. There is very yeah, much yeah. this idea of, well, I'm a drama person, so I must do drama or I'm a football person, so I'm all sports. Oh, totally, you know? yeah. Like, there's been very few what I'm going to call crossover stars in the history of my school. Anyway. There have been some, but not many. Why but do you think that is? I think it's like a very much a stigma because, like I was saying earlier about uh, stage schools and all that, that's a parent actively investing in their child, wanting them to have a skill, give them a bit of early discipline in life. Whereas a lot of the kids who started playing football, they're just playing with um, a community group where they have under sixes training on the local green on a Saturday morning type of thing. So it's very much what do you want the free option or do you want the more paid, the more luxury looking option for lack of a better term. Yeah. So I also wanted to ask you Dalton about something. How do you think we could encourage students to do after school activities? Well, what do you think the barriers to students being able to do those things are and how can we encourage more students to get involved in more activities? I think the first big barrier it goes back to last time I was on teacher workload because yeah. we, we already have so much other stuff on in terms of planning, marking, etc, etc. Obviously living as a human being. But then you also have to look at, right, can you give an hour or two hours a week over to this? Like take your DFE groups, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, the guy who does in our school, he's also a history teacher who does a lot of work with the Key Stage 4. So his timetable is absolutely mental. And he has a, he has a very young child at home. Yeah. So it's very much like he's working himself silly. So like if we were already. like we were saying, if you could hire people whom that's what they do, right? They come in, they teach music after school. And I think you're right, too. Yo. It's not going to be just about having the teachers. I think teachers are big, are obviously like 80 yeah. percent of it. Yeah. But funding is going to be part of it as well. Oh, totally. I wanted to play ice hockey growing yeah. up so badly, but I could never afford the equipment. Mm. And I only played lacrosse because actually they gave me the equipment because nobody else wanted to play net. Yeah. This is true. And basically because I because I was the bravest, I play <laughs> net and they give me the equipment for free. Yeah. You but, know? but then you look at, um, say, some of the clubs, though, like stage school is easily going to set you back 100 quid a month. So it limits who can actually get involved in that, whereas the football might just be go down to shoe zone, get a cheap pair of football boots and just keep going through it. It's a m much more easier barrier to entry to sports rather than this. Like if you walked up to a drama production and you didn't say what drama clubs you've been with, what shows you've been with, just saying, I want to do drama, they will turn you away. Yeah, I can see that. So it's very much more closed, whereas like there are leagues designed for adults to turn up and be like, 
Uh, I just want to have a bit of a kick about. And it's just like, yeah, get changed, man, off we go. It's true. Football is a, is a cheap sport to play in the end, you know? Mm. Because mm. back home, people who don't have a lot of money, that's the sport that they'll play. They'll play soccer, you know? Yeah. Soccer will be the sport they play because it, it's the cheapest thing. And, yeah, that's why it's the great unifier, right? Yeah. I always say it's one of Absolutely. the great unifiers. And what about... What do you think would be ideal extracurricular activity? What would it look like? What would an ideal system look like of extracurricular activities to you? It's an interesting one. Cause In I, an ideal world, no mo- no money limits, no, no problems money. at all. Just You can just have whatever you want. I would say 20-person group. So enough to be social but not overly bearing like you're overworking anyone. Um, needs to be with kids who want to be there. You can't just say to a kid... You're doing basketball because you're tall. They won't like it. Yeah. Well, it's very unlikely that they will. Or if they're rock climbing or whatever and they have a deadly fear of heights. So you need people who want to be there. And you need to sort of break down the barrier of, um, oh, yeah, the football team only talks to the football team. The drama group only hangs around the drama group. So Yeah, it'd be nice if we could get rid of that stigma, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, because that's what's holding a lot of people back because they're teenagers at the end of the day. They think, they're going to think more about what they look like to people. I knew a guy growing up um, and he did salsa dancing from the age of seven to the age of 11. But when he went to secondary school, people were like, oh, you, you're a dancer? That's a bit weird. Salsa dancing, what are you doing that for? They'll actively like exclude him because they see it as unusual. You need to break this idea of what is usual, what is unusual to a child. You need to, set, you need to keep everything a bit more ambiguous. Like it could be this or it might be this. Mm. But it's a very hard thing to break once it's set in. Like we've seen pictures from football stadiums of people doing salutes, middle fingers as children. Yeah. So it's very much it's bedded in by the people around them to. Yeah, well, sport. This is another thing I want to talk about just before we end. Is parents put a lot of pressure on sports kids back home. Oh, hugely. So back home, like you will have a parent, a grown parent, swearing at a child and throwing things at them in hockey like mm. they take it that seriously and that's the dangerous part about sports oh, being the way they are back home you know did you know there's a big problem where uh, refer- kids are basically like entertainment to them in some or, ways or, or living out failed dreams yeah true yeah but there's a big thing over here especially about uh hiring new referees no one wants to get involved because you need to be doing your badges like i've coached i've uh sorry i've refereed an under 16s and under sixes match but you should get that when you're 14 or 15 and there's people on the sideline watching their four-year-old play on half-size pitches screaming abuse at a 15-year-old referee who's just there trying to earn his stripes and it puts a lot of kids off it sure so not a lot of people want to get into the refereeing side so we have this we have this sort of shortage in the uk which leads to not enough games being able it's the same it's actually identical to hockey back home i had one friend who was a hockey ref back home in his part-time growing up he'd do like little kids and as he got older he wanted to do adult refing yeah. and i think he got out of it because he was getting abused and people would try to pay him money to make calls in their favor like people would try to bribe him and be like no yeah. i kind of want to be an nhl ref one day that's what, something he dreamed about doing yeah, yeah. was being an nhl ref not playing but being a ref and they were and he's like i can't get rid of my integrity because if you get caught they basically will ban you from ever being it's an association yeah, 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 you get banned way. you're done that's like like you can never ref anywhere ever again if you get caught getting paid off or anything of that mm. nature so yeah he took it really seriously and people would make fun of him for taking it seriously i always felt bad about about that for him like it wasn't a good situation for him yeah. you know yeah and like not great no yeah 
you've probably heard the stigma as well of everyone who's into drama is uh, homosexual. Like that stopped a lot of boys, especially. In... Oh yeah, there's a big there's a big stigma and a, and a falsehood in this. You know, oh, this huge, is obviously yeah. not that's... true. But yeah, I mean, there's obviously that stigma is there. Absolutely. Yeah, so it really put off a lot of boys to like try and experiment because drama. And is... it was the same for your friend who danced. I'm sure people would make fun of him and say totally, things yeah, yeah. that just weren't true, maybe about yeah. him at all. You like, know, in my school growing up, we didn't even have drama as an option, which is terrible. Yeah, yeah because. Um... And do you think it maybe boils back down to that old belief about about drama? Yeah, like I went to an all boys school, so mm. it was very mm. much that way. If we wanted to do drama. There was a girls' school down the road, and we obviously could sign up for that and do it after school, but it was. But all why should you have to go to the girls' school to do it? I guess is what is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. yeah they're just never the interest. Because there was this idea it was effeminate or something. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like we had mm-hmm. we had two massive DT room DT rooms, a woodwork room, but it's and weird, a metalwork isn't it? room. So it's a lot of the male focus subjects. Every, it's like culinary, right? We mm. it's a considered to be a, an effeminate thing. Didn't have that. But either. then the highest level people are uh, highest level chefs are men, yeah. right? And it, and it's the same thing with drama. We consider it to be an effeminate thing, but then the male actors are far outpaid the yeah. female actors. Oh, yeah. So it's sexism all around. D- deep down, it boils down to sexism. Yeah. I, d- I didn't think it would end up going this way, but I, I definitely. It's think a about part it. of it, though. I think you're right. Like, if you look- it could be be because society was so dominated by men for so long possibly, that they possibly. would maybe down these things for that reason or it's like the idea of school being as a place to train for work where they didn't see drama as work yeah right a lot of, a lot of parents i'll be honest here in the uk when i'd say your your child should take drama as an option they go well how, what kind of a job are they going to get with that yeah. and it's like well you should worry about what you're going to do for a living but at the end of the day, they're 16 years old. They need something. They, <laughs> they need, need an outlet. outlet. Yeah. yeah. And also, they're not working yet. They're only 16 years old. I, 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 I would have thought when I was 16, I was going to do X, Y, Z, and I didn't end up doing that at all. I ended so up doing drama. The one thing I would have never guessed I was going to be able to do. That's actually very interesting because do. we're doing options at the moment for the year nines in our school. A lot are right now, actually. Yeah, yeah. That's why I picked this. And we had a year eight uh, parents, even not a couple of weeks before it. So we ended up. Uh, I ended up in a meeting with a year eight parent. I I know my son should be uh, picking his subjects next year, but I want to know now what jobs can he get in geography. So it's very much the parents are all about you're going to make money. Think about money. You got to make money. There's no other thing you can do. It's got to be money. All money, no leisure type of a thing. Which is crazy. The kids are kids. (laughs) Yeah, like my my own parents asked me the same. Yeah, fine, you like geography and history, but why do you want to go to uni? She's like, oh, I want to do this. I read a great book one time you liked, Dalton. It's called Stoner. It's it's uh, by a guy, I think his name's William Johns, if I can remember correctly. Cool. Uh, anyways, that's beside the point. In the book, he, he he was a farmer. His parents were farmers, and you grew up in a farming family as well as, mm. as I did, right? an agrarian family, I would say. And be in this book, his parents are like, oh, we're going to send you off to agriculture school at the university, right? And mm. then he gets there and he, find, he finds English. And he, without telling his parents, he switches his major from yeah. agriculture to English. And he doesn't tell them till the day he's graduating. They come to see him graduate. And they find out then and there that he hadn't actually done, he, he hadn't done what they thought he was doing all along. But, but he was actually very yeah. successful at English. He was very successful and went on to be a professor, but his parents were still really disappointed in him. Yeah, because because he didn't do what they thought would make him money, right? Yeah, he went he went for a more of a long shot type of and thing, and they didn't like that because it was too big of a risk for them, you know. Yeah, but like a lot of families see that as well. Like I, I know that's why I bring it up. 
I had a co- I had one neighbour and a girl from my social circle back in the day who both went off to London to be actors. From... And their parents probably didn't like that because they were farmers, I'm assuming. One of them was. The other one's family was much more artsy-fartsy about everything. Okay, so, so they, they must very, have liked it then. They very much pushed her off yeah. into it. Now, both... A different reaction from the two families though, uh, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It was that yeah. sort of like... Do you think one being... family valued the idea of leisure and comfort? The other one focused more on we need to survive. Do you think class has a big part to play in that? Like, I was thinking about this the other day. I was writing something about going to university and how it changed my life. And mm. I thought, you know, my grandfather. It's not that he didn't want or wouldn't have wanted to go to university. He just yeah. far, he just couldn't because farming was his life. He had to survive, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, do you think class has a big part to play in these things? I think it does, because especially when you look at like certain activities considered by some sports, horse riding, for example, very massive costs and a lot of people sure. want to do it. So you think about, like, say, people who live in deprived areas. We're seeing at the moment with the uh, energy crisis that um, people are deciding, do I get food or do I get heating? Mm-hmm. So if there's already that stretch in, uh, in an area at a moment... They're not going to be able to get them horse riding or get them figure skating or gymnastics where there's a lot of kit and rental of space as well, which is going to limit them from doing it. Whereas we've seen with like football, for example, it's uh, just simple. You just need a football. Exactly. Yeah. I know I keep going back to it, but it's just such a at home example. Like, yeah, no. Like how many cricket players do you know from deprived families? No, I, I don't know any cricket players, to be yeah. fair. <laughs> yeah, like we've, but we've, baseball back home, believe it or not, is a poor man's sport. Because the bats will be provided by the team, the ball, the balls will be provided by the team. The only thing you need to have as a piece of equipment is a glove. Really? That's it. That's all you need to play baseball, right? So baseball during the Depression was the biggest sport in in America. It was the most popular sport mm. because it was considered to be the poor man's sport, basically the but, the great yeah. unifier. Yeah, it's very easy to sell like um, an afternoon of entertainment for at the time probably a dollar five cents. Oh yeah, like no, that. everyone came to the Yankees and games back in in the old Bronx. You can hear stories about it. I'm mm. a big Yankees fan. But then and, and yeah, then, people come to the Bronx and watch them. But you then know? you look at Amer- American football, say where it's very much it's like football though. No, but football was a rich man's sport. It was played primarily yeah. in the universities. No, that's what was that's just, where it started. That's eh? what I was just about to say. Yeah. The whole idea of the college draft. It was. It was. It was an. It was a uni, university thing, basically. Yeah. Oh, I went to Boston University. I went to Harvard. I'd play. I'd play rugby, and then eventually rugby became American football. They yeah, added yeah. the forward pass, and they added different things. Believe it or not, rugby is just a football. Is just a form of rugby. Oh, totally. Yeah. That's all it is. It's rugby with a forward pass, basically. But, and then you look at look and at the scrum it. happens every every play, right? Yeah, but. But then it goes on to the idea of like your child goes to Oxford, for example, or yeah, goes well, or goes to Loughborough. They're going to have much more access to these. Down south in America, it's not about which NFL team you support; it's about which college team you support. Even oh, yeah. if no one in your family's ever gone to Alabama or wherever any of those universities, yeah. or could never afford to go to those universities, you still buy and support those teams because that's more of a local team than any NFL yeah, team, yeah. and it's a source of pride. Some of the biggest stadiums in the world, people might not realize this, are American football stadiums. In the they college. Call, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the bowl in California, the California Pasadena? bowl. The I think it's in Pasadena. Yeah, it's South South California. It can hold one hundred and fifty thousand people or something like that. It's the biggest. It's the biggest single sports stadium in the world. I think, and that's an American football college stadium. So. Fact check on that one. Biggest stadium is in North Korea, one hundred ninety-five thousand. Oh, okay. It can hold. I meant, I meant in maybe the Western world as well. Yeah, I mean, but I think a lot of those stadiums as well they max out maybe a hundred and ten, a hundred and twenty, but which is still much bigger than anything on a European scale. But 
That's the space thing, though, isn't oh, it? Yeah, it would yeah, be, they would build bigger stadiums here if they could. There's just no space for it. Or, or a demand for it, really. Uh, maybe. I think uh, I think you could fill the stadiums more than they are. Like, old. Tra- uh, let's look at, not Old Trafford, but uh, Stafford Bridge. It, it could be much bigger. Oh, easily, They could yeah. easily fill Stafford Bridge yeah. with more people. But, like, but they choose to make it a smaller stadium. But, you know? you, but look at Arsenal, for example, yeah. where they have a 50-odd thousand person stadium, but they have the highest season ticket in the world. It's so expensive, yeah. yeah, and yeah. That, and I know goal- all about it. I've never saw Arsenal. I, I used to love Arsenal growing up, and I still can't afford to but, go to an Arsenal game to this day. And and that's and that's where it goes. Like If, oh, you're, li- if you're limiting people from like any sort of, any sort of activities like that, you're, you're not going to get someone who's interested in that. So, like, I know a lot of kids with season tickets for local team here, and they go every weekend, some of them go away as well, but they're from more well-to-do families, sure. whereas we still have a lot of kids in our school who support so even the in local sport, team. even in sports, it's not totally equal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think in the UK, people think more about the equality issue when it comes to, to education, oh, whereas yeah. in Canada, it's like... It's just not thought about as much, I don't think. For example, back home, you're, we say poor. We don't say working class. Mm. And w- class is really not a big thing back home. It's just more It's just like, that's where you are, right? Yeah. Like, there's no coming out of it. Like, m- no one in my family ever went to university before me. And mm. My mother has a big family, as people know who's listened to the show before. She has, you know, uh, ten sisters, nine brothers. And, and in that whole family, not one of my cousins or anyone really had went to university besides me. And then after me, a couple of my other cousins, not very many, basically all the ones who went to university were after were born either in the late 1980s going into the 1990s. Cause those were more prosperous times in Canada. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. the ones born in the seventies and in the early eighties, they never went to university. They would just work because you could work. Uh, as a builder and make more money than you'd ever make as a university person in Canada. Mm. That that's just the truth of the matter. Yeah, but it also gives gives a child from a very young age an idea of what aspiration is. So they'll pro- they might make that assumption that more about actual work and doing subjects rather than I've never seen my dad um play rugby or football, so sports don't mean that much to me. Yeah. So I wanted to end basically, Dalton, and thank you for being on and and speaking with us about such an important subject. Always great to something here, people Kate. are really interested in talking about. And to remind everyone, we're talking about are sports more highly valued than other subjects in school, say drama or something of that nature. And what do you think of that? Do you think that that's fair, or do you think it should be more equal, like me and Dalton have been decide- discussing here today? Do you have any closing remarks, Dalton, you wanted to make before we ended? No, I just want to say thanks very much for having me. It's always a great pleasure to be on here. It's always nice to sort of And Dalton was away. very popular last time he was on. This is actually true. We got a lot of like tweets and responses about how they really loved what you had to say. Oh, man, you're, you're making me blush here. How will I ever survive? The Uberman won't be able to look me in the face after this. He'll think I had a very different night to this anyway. Okay, thank you, Dalton, for being on. And uh, again, we're talking about are sports considered to be more valuable in schools or do schools value them more than other subjects say drama or any any of the other after school traditional subjects or rotation subjects whatever you might call it in your school dt art construction culinary all those great subjects that i think really i call them the spice of the school the hi- yeah the, i call the them the spice of the school highlights Slam lads, you, thanks very much for having me on, Caleb. And you, you know, just on that one, one last thing, I call them the spice of the school because you know you have the meat and potatoes, you have your <laughs> your maths and your English, but without the spice of the school, is it really fun to be there? You know, I, I love the analogy, man. I love it. Okay, thank you everybody for listening and enjoy the rest of the show.
This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N.co.uk. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. And that's our show for today, You've everyone. Been listening Thank you for tuning to Teachers in. Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. See you next week. This is the Sunday Brunch Show with your host, me, Caleb DeMerchie. Thank you for tuning in.